Hi, I'm Chris McBrien. And I'm Derek Myers. Here at Pop Goes Your World, we've received a lot of great feedback on how much people enjoy the trivia segments that we do at the end of every episode. So we've decided to go back and put together compilations of the Fun with Yancey and Fun with Caveman segments we've done over the years as a set of bonus episodes. We hope you enjoy the fun. Episode 103, Fast Times at Ridgemont High Movie Review. Fun with Caveman. So over to you, Caveman. Take it away. <laughs> All right. So uh, what do you got for us tonight? What do you want to do? Fast Times at Ridgemont High, as we've clearly established, is a teen comedy. One of the first, one of the arguably best teams comedies. Mm. And so I've dug into the vault and uh, picked out, you know, 10 or 12 teen comedies that have come out in the last, you know, 30 years, some from the 80s, some from the 90s. And uh, I'm going to give you a one-line synopsis of the teen comedy in question. And I need you guys to try and jump in and give me the answer. Should I wait and let give give Chris some time? Before if I if you in? think the okay. answer is from the 80s, give mm. Chris a chance. If okay. it's from the 90s, I can tell you now, he won't get it. <laughs> so jump in as fast as you can. Aww. But let me finish the question first. All right. Chris, is that fair? Well, sounds good to me. All right. In no particular order. Okay. All right. So first question. This is for Kay. Oh, okay. <laughs> in this tw- in this 2010 teen comedy, Emma Stone plays a clean-cut high school student <laughs> who relies on the school's rumor mill to advance her social and financial standing. Kay, what's the answer? Easy A. You got it. All right. Good to go. Chris, right. have you seen Easy A? No, but I think I could have probably guessed that one. I've heard of it, so. All right. This one, actually, Chris, I think you might have actually seen this one, even though it's a newer film. So uh, give Chris a chance, just in case. I will remain quiet. In this 2007 film, two codependent high school seniors and their friend McLovin are forced to deal (laughs) with separation anxiety after their plan to stage a booze-soaked party goes awry. Chris, do you know the answer? I do. It's super bad. Yes, there we go. And I know it because, I mean, that is like basically a 70s and 80s movie right there. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Very much in that same vein. All right, we'll have to to review Superbad at some time in the future, Chris. I I really love that movie. Me too. All right. I like it. Okay, next question. Yep. In this 1995 remake of Jane Austen's Emma, a rich high school student tries to boost a new pupil's popularity but reckons without affairs of the heart getting in the way. Can I guess it? Is it 10 things sure. I hate about you? Nope, that's wrong. Mm. Clueless. Oh, clueless. Kay's got it. Oh, there you go. Good one. Got Ant-Man. Yes, starring Ant-Man, for sure. <laughs> Next question. In this 2006 indie film, an offbeat young woman faced with an unplanned pregnancy makes an unusual decision regarding her unborn, unborn child. I know, it's Juno. Hey! <laughs> I love that movie. I like that movie too. It was really good. Yep. I think I've told you this before. Jason I, Bateman. Is Jason just Bateman, nice. Perfection. So I saw Juno at its international premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. And later that same day, I saw the premiere of No Country for Old Men. Oh, geez. What a... So, I mean, two very different films, but two awesome films to see on the same day, both of them having their international premiere. It was a good day at the film festival for me that year. All right. Next question. 
okay, Chris, this is right up your alley. All right. If you don't get this, oh, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. <laughs> in this 1985 film, a teenager played by John Cusack has to deal with his girlfriend dumping him among family crisis, homicidal paperboys, and rival skier. Is it better off dead? Two dollars. Yes. Ask for a dime. I don't have a dime. I didn't ask for a dime. Ask for two dollars. Two dollars. Yep. Hilarious. Yep. That one's also for my buddy Jamie. He loves that movie. Nice. Nice. All right. Next question. Again, Chris, you should get this. It's from the 80s. This 1986 classic. A high school wise guy ditches school with his best friend and his girlfriend while they try to elude capture from their high school principal. Oh, come on. Oh, please. It's it's um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Hey! There we go. I'm like, Kay's here biting her tongue because I knew she knew the answer. Okay. You might actually get this one too, Chris, from the 90s. I'll try. This 1999 film features four teenage boys who enter a pack to lose their virginity on prom night. You better know this one. Four teenage boys enter a pack to lose their virginity oh, by prom night. Oh, it's American Pie. You made me watch Yay! it. <laughs> there we go. Reviewed on this podcast only a few weeks before. Okay. This one's for Kay because I know oh. Chris won't get this at all. Okay. But Chris, hey, show her up if you can. Okay. In this 1998 <laughs> film, high school seniors attend the last party of the year where Amanda Beckett, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, finds a discarded love letter written by love-struck Preston Myers, played by Ethan Embry, who never expects her to read it. Oh, man, I can't... I can picture the picture on the DVD. Chris, any idea? That's a movie I never want to watch. All right. It's called Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait. It was actually pretty good. Can't sit through it. All right, there you go. All right, here's another one that's for Kay, because I know Chris will get this. Jeez. This 2006 film, a high school slacker played by Justin Long, who's rejected by every school he applies to, to opts to create his own institution of higher learning. Jeez, what's the name of that one? Yeah, I know the one. I've seen it. It's pretty funny. Chris, any idea? I have no clue. Of that's, course that's, not. That's not a high school one, though. That's more a college one. Oh, boo-hoo. Okay, it, it was called Accepted. Right. It actually features uh, very funny cameos from uh, Lewis Black as one of the professors. All right. This 1997 film features a nerdy outcast played by Grey's Anatomy. Pardon me. Hold on. I got the date wrong. This 1987 film Mm -hmm. features a nerdy outcast played by Grey's Anatomy's McDreamy, who secretly pays the most popular girl in school $1,000 to be his girlfriend. It's Camp I Me Love. All right. That movie does not hold up. We watched that recently. My wife really? And I, yeah, it doesn't hold up. It's awful. No? No, it does not. All right. Okay, last question. Nope. In this 1989 comedy classic, Roy Dobler, played by John oh, Cusack. I love this movie. Is a noble underachiever who falls in love with a beautiful valedictorian the summer before she goes to college. It's got my favorite song. Chris, do you know the answer? Is it Say Anything? It, it is. is. Say anything. Uh, yep. It features Kay's favorite song, which is 
in your eyes, yep. Kenny Gabriel. Yep. We we had had in the boombox. Yep. 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 All right. You guys did pretty good on that. There's a few I stumped you on, but uh, yeah, for the most part, the ones in the 80s, Chris got. The ones in the 90s, Kay got most of them. Episode 105, Game of Thrones. Fun with Caveman. Okay, guys, I tell you what, I was, I was actually talking to my mom about this show, believe it or not. And my mom and my dad love Game of Thrones. And she made an interesting comment to me. She said, she said, if you, if you ever told me that I'd be watching a show with dragons in it, I'd say, you, you know, you were crazy. But she loves this show. So it got me thinking about dragons. So this week, I want to quiz you guys on dragons in pop culture. Okay, and so if either one of you knows the answer, just go ahead and say it, okay? And the one with the most correct answers at the end will win a prize. And in the spirit of Game of Thrones, you know, with all the death and everything in it, and in the immortal words of Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP, if you get the most answers right, you don't have to die. So how about that? Okay, (laughs) so here goes. First question. In the 1996 film Dragonheart, Sean Connery voiced the dragon, but who played the lead role of Bowen? Keith Ledger? No, no, no. It was uh, Dennis Quaid. Yes, Caveman. Very good. What am I thinking of? That was a different. You're thinking of Aragon. No, that wasn't him either. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, guys. Dragon Slayer. One of my favorite video games of all time. What was the name of the dragon that you have to slay at the end in order to save Princess Daphne? What was the dragon's name? Anybody? Oh, you asked me this on a previous podcast, and I couldn't believe I didn't get it right. I got nothing. It was, it was I know it's Dirk the Daring. It was, the dragon's name was, no, I don't know. It's Singe. 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 No, I wouldn't have got that. Okay, this 1977 Walt Disney film featured a mix of live action and animation and told the story of an orphan boy and his magical dragon and featured actors such as Jim Backus, Mickey Rooney, and Shelley Winters. Can you name the movie? Pete's Dragon. Oh, very good. Gaben, got it. Okay, 1981. We're moving on. 1981 movie featured Ali McBeal's Peter McNichol, and he played a young wizarding apprentice who's sent to kill a dragon who's been devouring girls from a nearby kingdom. Can you name the movie? <laughs> this is not no, my I, No, I cannot. <laughs> You guys, uh, Dragon Slayer. You guys don't know that movie? No. Oh, man, it's really good. You should go back and watch it. Okay, you guys mentioned earlier you like reading the novels of Game of Thrones. So how about The Hobbit? In The Hobbit, the dragon is Smog. We all know that, right? And he obviously took over the treasure from the dwarves, right? You know, obviously driving the story of the dwarves and Bilbo Baggins, and they had to go and face Smog. But it was not the dwarves that defeated Smog. Gentlemen. Can you name the character that killed Smog in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit? Who killed Smog? Was it it not Bilbo Baggins? No. Then I have no idea. He did it with an arrow. Lake Town? No. It was Bard. Bard shot him. I could picture picture the actor, but I couldn't think of his name. Okay. What folk group originally recorded the song Puff the Magic Dragon? All the way back in 1963. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, very good, caveman. You got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, here, here's one here. Rayquaza, Giratina, Dragonite, Palkia, and Dialga are all dragons found in this 
video game? Double Dragon. No. Nate, any guesses? I I can't think of a dragon game, man. Man, where's Yancey when we need him? It's Pokemon. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are we are totally getting him back on and playing Pokemon or drug again. That was always fun. Okay. <laughs> this dragon arch enemy of Godzilla sported three heads, two tails, no arms, and first appeared in his self-titled film from 1964. Gentlemen, can you name him? No, I cannot. Nate? Uh, uh, It's on the tip of my tongue, but I cannot (laughs) think of it. It's Ghidorah. I would also accept it King Ghidorah or Ghidra. Ghidra would be be settled. No, I lied. All right. Okay, Ben, this one's for you. Okay, my friend? Comic book. This comic book dragon first appeared in Marvel's Strange Tales number 89 in back in 1961. And he went on to make appearances in Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Justice yep. League of America, and the Avengers. Can you name the dragon that made recurring appearances in Marvel Comics over the years? Yes, I can. It's it- Fing Fang Foom. <laughs> Very good. It is Fin Fang Foom. Congratulations, Caveman. Very good. Caveman, you did uh, you did pretty My good. super nerd cred, man. Woo, yeah. I talked about comic books and Dungeons and Dragons on this podcast. Not bad. Not, so, Caveman, congratulations. You got uh, four correct. Uh, Nate, you came up empty on this one. I'm sorry, my I'm friend. I'm not surprised at all. It was a tough one. Sorry, Nate. Episode 106, the Full Monty Movie Review. Fun with Caveman. Okay, so this movie's called The Full Monty, obviously. But obviously, we don't actually see The Full Monty. No, we do not. Not that I'm complaining, you know, mind you. But the thing is, there's been lots of nudity in movies over the years. Heck, the movies from the 70s and 80s were chock full of nudity, right? Well, we just did Fast Times at Richmond High. Like, exactly. That's one of the most uh, recognizable, famous nude scenes in 80s Ever. movies. Ever, you know, in the history of, of film almost. And But the thing is, one aspect of nudity, though that's always been a bit of a taboo is male nudity, you know? Yep. Like it really, really is. And it's a terrible double standard. It really, it, yeah, I guess it really is because like I say, those movies from the seventies and eighties, there was female nudity. Sometimes you'd see everything, you know? And, uh, but male nudity, it's just, it, that's the taboo. Right. And so, like I say, even though it's, it's called the full Monty, we don't, we don't see the full Monty. So it got me thinking, there's not a lot of examples of the full Monty in pop culture. So I got some trivia for you, Caveman. And we're going to start right. we're going to start with this one, okay? Now, although he did not show the full Monty, what Hollywood icon posed nude in a 1972 issue of Cosmopolitan magazine? Do you know the answer? Uh, well, I was going to say Burt Reynolds, but I want to say he, his was Playgirl. So, what was the year again? 1972 Cosmopolitan ah. magazine. Didn't show the full Monty, but he did pose nude in the centerfold. Let's say Robert Redford. No, you were right the first time. It was Burt oh, it was Bert. Reynolds. It made him a star oh. overnight, too, him doing that. I thought it was a Playgirl that that, that was the no, that actually, he for. Actually, Burt Reynolds posing in Cosmopolitan magazine in the centerfold led to the creation of Playgirl magazine. No, it, it was okay. so popular that that's what happened. Uh, okay, so Jason Siegel. Yep. Uh, he played a scene with Kristen Bell for laughs in the opening scene of this 2008 comedy where he showed the full Monty. Yep. Can you name the film? I can. It's called Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You are correct. Congratulations. Have, um, have you seen that movie, Chris? I have. I have. 
And, and let me guess, you hated it and would never watch it again. Not because of the nudity, but because you didn't like any of the humor. No, actually, I thought it was okay. The thing I didn't like about that movie was Russell Brand. I oh, yeah, no, I can't stand that. I did not like that guy in that movie at all. Okay, so Kevin Bacon I showed the full Monty in this 1998 erotic thriller, which also starred Denise Richards and Nev Campbell. What's the name of the movie where Kevin shows off his strip of bacon? Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> wow, bad one, kid. Yeah. Um, that was called Wild Things. Yes, it was. Like it was say, a very popular rental when I was at Blockbuster. Yes, Nev Campbell, good Canadian girl. She was one degree from Kevin Bacon, uh, I, I guess. think, if I remember correctly, she actually didn't have any nudity in that movie. But, no. But no. The, others, the other two stars did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as Canadians, you know, we're pretty, you know, modest in that regard. Okay. <clears throat> this cop TV show ran from 1993 until 2005. And although it never showed the full Monty, it often featured the nude backsides of its stars, including David Caruso and Dennis Franz. I think I just threw up in my mouth a little on that one. Ooh, Dennis Franz. <laughs> Getting me hot under the collar. <laughs> Can um, you name the I TV show? Yes, I can. I, I've never seen a single episode of it, but I'm pretty sure it was called NYPD Blue. It was. I've never seen an episode of it either. Okay, Richard Gere. This is a guy that's been making movies for a long time, but his first leading role required him to show the full body. What is the name of the 1980 movie which featured Richard Gere as an expensive escort to lonely rich women? I have no idea. Oh, wow. It's American Gigolo. I thought you would get that one. No, never seen it. Not a fan of Richard Gere. I, I, I don't really know his uh, his back catalog. That oh, and George I've, heard of, I've heard of it, but I have uh, American Gigolo, but I've never seen it. Yeah, and Giorgio Moroder's music, and it was so good. That's what Call Me, the song Call Me with Blondie came from. No, no. Not a big fan of Blondie, so. Oh, man. That's two strikes. I don't think okay. I'll be watching that movie. All right. Uh, in the 1994 film The Color of Night, what Armageddon actor showed the full Monty. Color of Night. Yep. Armageddon well, I, I, actor. I, the only one of those actors I can think was working in 1994 would probably have been Bruce Willis. So I'm going to say Bruce Willis. But that is correct. Bruce Willis did show the full Monty in The Color of Night. Don't know that movie, Color of Night. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I guess if you want to see Bruce Willis there. Um, in the 2014 film Gone Girl, this other Armageddon actor showed the full Monty. Who was the actor? Uh, well, I know Ben Affleck was in Gone Girl, so I'm going to say Ben Affleck. That is correct. All right. I'm not sure. I think I might have seen. I'm not sure if I've seen that movie or not, Gone Girl. Mm. Don't think so. Is that the one where the wife fakes her death? Sorry. Spoiler. Well, is that yeah, the one where the wife fakes her death? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it either. So mm. uh, building on this, what third Armageddon actor almost showed the full Monty in a scene with Halle Berry in 2001's Monsters Ball. Uh, oh, um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. That is correct. And like I said, you don't see the full Monty in that scene, but let's just say you see the Monsters Ball. Oh, my. Jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, you're, you're really pulling out your uh, oh. your A-material dad jokes here tonight, yeah, Chris. I, I guess, God, I'm lame. Uh, okay, so Armageddon was a very seminal film for actors that show the full Monty, apparently. Owen Wilson was in Armageddon, but he's never showed the full Monty. 
So I guess he doesn't need to because his nose looks like the full Monty. So there's always that. Um, uh, okay, so Derek, can you name the 1999 film that featured Jude Law showing the full Monty? No, I cannot. It was the talented Mr. Ripley. Really? He gets naked in that? Yes, he does. He steps out of the bathtub and you see the full Monty. Bonus marks if you can name the actor that was in the scene with him when he shows the full Monty. Well, I know the rest of the cast that was in that movie, but I don't remember that scene. So I'm going to say it was probably another guy, in which case it would have been Matt Damon. (laughs) Matt Damon. It was it was Matt Damon, definitely one of your favorite actors. And he and is we, one of my favorites. And we get that drop in there, so that's always good. Episode 107, Spaceballs Movie Review. Fun with Caveman. Okay, so uh, I nominated the movie, so trivia is over to you this week. So uh, take it away, my friend. All right, so... Uh, I mentioned trivia a little bit earlier. Uh, yep. Sometimes sometimes when we're doing the trivia, we try to be clever and we – instead of just asking you questions about the movie, mm-hmm. we try to come up with questions that are maybe about similar movies or the genre or like we were saying, potentially questions about movies where they break the fourth wall, like something that you sure. can tie in. I decided that for this one, we'd go back to the basics. Okay. So as you mentioned, this movie is – Joke after joke after joke after joke. Nonstop, yep. Nonstop. And it's both audio jokes where they speak dialogue or sight jokes where they do something funny or visual gags on screen where something is written or placed in a way that makes uh, – that's funny. Right. Now, if if you're like me and like a, probably many of our listeners, when I sit down to watch a two-hour movie, especially if it's a movie I've seen before – I'm not always keeping my eyes on the screen for the full two hours. From time to time, I may check my email or in the case when we're doing research for the podcast, I'll be looking it up on the IMDb or I'll be doing searches on the Internet. And I think to myself, well, I know the movie well enough and I know this part well enough. And as long as I'm listening to the dialogue, I'm good. And I figure, Chris, you're probably like me and you're guilty of that. So for the trivia today, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions that are all about sight gags. Okay. Not talked about on screen okay so if you watch this movie this week and you weren't watching it you were just listening to it while you were on your second screen mm-hmm. this is going to be incredibly difficult for you this could be hard yeah now i'll admit some of these questions are probably going to be hard even if you were watching but there are some that if you were paying even marginal attention you should be able to get or at least get pretty close and we'll give you some full marks all right yep so I'm gonna. I wrote the questions as I was watching the movie, so the questions go in chronological order based on when they happened in the movie. So that may or may not help you as we go. All right. In the very beginning of the movie, much like in Star Wars, you have the opening text crawl. Yes. Spaceballs is chapter what? Oh, it was like chapter eleven. It was yes, chapter eleven. Yes. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. So Star Wars being episode four, this is chapter 11. It was a play, right. it was a play on all that episode four crap and all that stuff. Yep. And I'm sure chapter 11, chapter 11 bankruptcy, I'm sure that was sort of subtly in there. Anyway. Okay. Next question. Uh, the the villain ship, I believe it was called Spaceball One. Yep. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Spaceball One had a big bumper sticker on the back of it. What did it say? We break for nobody. Correct. Yes. Great. <laughs> awesome. Then we get to see Lone Star's ship. Right. What is the license plate on the front of Lone Star's ship? It's It said, I heart Uranus. 
So that was the bumper sticker. That was right. my next question. That was on the back. Oh, on sorry. The front, he had an actual license plate on the Winnebago. Oh. Did you catch what the license plate was? Oh, I can't remember. I don't remember. I'll give you a hint. It was the name of his ship. Oh, God, I can't remember. I can't remember it. It escapes Eagle, me. Eagle 5. Oh, Eagle 5. Oh, jeez. And I assume it was called Eagle as a parody for Millennium Falcon. Right. A lot of parodies, right. so... All right, and you already got the bumper sticker, yes. so that was right. Okay, I remember that one. Since we're talking about bumpers, Princess Vespa, mm-hmm. what was the license plate on her car? Oh god! Oh god! I can't remember. Jeez, I can't remember. It was spoiled rotten one with a couple yes. of apostrophes because it right. couldn't get all the letters right. in there. All right. So, and I'll tell you now, some of these other questions you've actually touched on them in the conversation. So uh, we'll still give you the question, but we'll see if you get it. Okay. So. The part where the ship goes to ludicrous speed. Yes. There were three settings. Oh, jeez. It started with light speed, and it ended with ludicrous speed. What was in between those? Oh, man. It was light speed. They never said it in the dialogue. No, they didn't. It just showed the buttons. It It reminded me of airplane. It reminded me of airplane, because they did the same thing similar in airplane. I don't remember what they were, though. Jeez, I don't remember. Light speed. Yep. Ridiculous speed. Okay, yep. And then ludicrous speed. And ludicrous speed, okay. So the answer I was looking for was ridiculous. All right. Uh, When Lone Star and the rest are dehydrated in the desert and they are found by the Jawas that we've already established are called Dinks, how many Jawas found them in the desert? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Six. I was hoping there would be seven. I'm like, come on. They're like the seven dwarves. That seemed like an easy parody. Right, but anyway, we right. went with six. And then I watched the rest of the scene. There were only ever six of them. So <laughs> anyway. All right. You mentioned the scene where they're combing the desert. Yes. The combs both had the same brand name. Oh, did you happen to catch it? God, I did not know. No idea. Ace. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I assume that's a real comb manufacturer. I, I guess so, maybe. Or I don't know. All right. Uh, this one's super hard, so you probably won't get this. When Lone Star goes to Planet Spaceball to rescue Princess Vespa, mm-hmm. where does he park the Winnebago? It had a big, uh, on the land where he parks it, it had it painted right on the thing before he landed down, the location. Oh, jeez, I don't know. I don't remember. Sorry. Yeah, that's a hard one. Prison Ball 28. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Man. And then when he went in to rescue Princess Vespa, what cell was she in? What number? I don't She's know. singing the blues. Yes, I remember that. Oh, I don't remember the cell number. Cell number two. Oh, okay. Jeez. God, Again, some of these hard. are really hard. If you oh, like, my yeah. goodness. Those are okay. tough. This, this, the, the last two are a couple. I got two more questions. They're both kind of easy here. Yeah, okay. sure. This one I think is a real easy one. What color were the lightsabers from Dark Helmet and Lone Star? Oh, was it green and red? Uh, Dark Helmets was green. Lone Star's was orange. More of an oh, orange okay. color. Uh, and I think because Luke Skywalker had the green lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, I think I was I figured your answer might be that Lone Star had the green one because in Star Wars, a good guy had the green one. But mm-hmm. I think Mel Brooks deliberately switched that just to play with it. OK, last question. What is the name of the diner at the end of the movie where they stop for fuel? It's called the Space Diner. Nope. Oh, I don't remember. I just, no. Gus's Galaxy Grill. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. So... 
this is this is why you don't watch a movie with two screens. You pay full attention, so you pick up on all the little details. Like I say, the jokes and the, the, the sight gags are coming at you in this movie so fast and furious that it's so hard to miss a lot of this. Like, it's so easy to miss a lot of this stuff. It's hard to pick up on a lot of it. And obviously, my performance in the trivia section tonight uh, displayed that. <laughs> so I got one more bonus question for yeah, you, Yeah, sure. We didn't talk about this at all, so let's just real quick. Sure. There was a big gag part of the movie was about the merchandising yes in the movie there is space balls the insert name of merchandise here i count i wrote down 12 different pieces of merchandise that, that some were directly referred to in the dialogue and some were just shown on screen off the top of your head how many can you come up with okay so i remember there was cereal and there was the yogurt doll and there was, I remember the flamethrower, of course. Of course. Um, was there a bed sheet? Yes. And I can't remember any of Was there shaving cream? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's it. five. Can you think of one more? Can you get to halfway? Uh, I don't know. Um, was there a lunchbox? Yes. <laughs> So I redeemed myself. Somewhere. Okay, you got, you got half. The other ones that I had on my list were T-shirts, dinner plate, coloring book, toilet paper, and the toilet paper had Dark Helmet's face on it. Of course. Uh, Spaceballs the towel, which yeah. was right next to Spaceballs the shaving cream, and then Spaceballs the placemat. Oh, the placemat, of course. And the yeah. funny thing was that whole scene, why they put that scene in there, was because Mel Brooks actually went to George Lucas before he even made this movie and said, hey – are you cool with me spoofing Star Wars? And George Lucas said, I have no problem with you doing this. I think it's a great idea. I love your work. Do it. The only thing is, you cannot sell any merchandise from the movie. Because he didn't want him, you know, um, profiting off of merchandise from spoofing Star Wars. Which I can understand. So yep. Mel Brooks just crammed it all into the movie. But he never, like, sold any of it or anything like that. But that's why the just recurring joke in the movie is about the merchandise. So... Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 